Shalom and welcome to this week's Think Jewish. Today's class is titled Going Somewhere, Understanding When God Commands Us to Go. So for this class, we're going to have to give two introductions based on the teachings of Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah and Hasidus. The first introduction is called Four Worlds. Okay? In general, it's important to understand that in the evolution of creation, the spiritual evolution from the infinite to the finite, from the spiritual to the physical, in Kabbalah we refer to it as this as the evolution of the four worlds and we're going to go into that. So, let's back up for a moment, right? This week's Torah portion begins with God's commandment to Abraham that Abraham, what is, the, what is he to do? Go unto yourselves, unto yourself, from your land, from your birthplace, and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. That is the opening of this week's Torah portion, okay? In the mystical teachings of Hasidus, this is a commandment not only to Abraham some 4,000 years ago, rather it is a timeless, eternal commandment to each and every one of us. Now we need to understand, if it's to each and every one of us, where were we? Where is God telling us to go to? What is the purpose of the journey? So to understand this, that's why we have to first understand the four worlds of the spiritual evolution and creation. So, here are the names, okay? Atzilut, Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Those are the four worlds, and those are their names, and we're going to explain them briefly, each one, okay? Atzilut. The literal definition of the word Atzilut is one of two definitions brought down in the Kabbalistic books. One is the word Atzilut from the word Etzel, which means next to. If you want to say he is sitting next to the tree, in Hebrew you, you say, Hu Yoshev Etzel Ha'etz. The word Etzel, next to. Another definition comes from the Torah word used when God told Moses that from your spirit I will bring forth the spirit upon 70 elders. That word, bring forth, vayatzilu min haruach, and God brought, vayatzilu min haruach, and God brought forth from the Spirit. So, the Spirit of Moses. So, we have here two definitions for the word atzilut. One is next to, and what is brought forth from. Okay? So, let's understand what this means. Even though atzilut is called a world, it is called olam ha'atzilut. You know the Hebrew word olam means world. Nevertheless, it is of absolute divinity where the, and I'm going to quote to you now the words of Kabbalah, He, God, He and the light is one, He and the vessels are one. So on one hand we say it's a world, a world, the Hebrew word for world which is olam is the exact same word for concealment, helem. 
So on the one hand, the minute you call it a world, it's called a creation. If it's a cr called a creation, then it's separated in its identity from the Creator. Nevertheless, it is not so with the world Atzilut. This world is absolute goodness. There's absolute no evil in here, no ego. It is not a world that was created ex nihilo. It's not a world that was created something from nothing. Rather, it was brought forth from divinity. You now understand why it's called Atzilut, that second interpretation, brought forth. So this world was not created something from nothing, where it separates the something from the nothing, a separate identity, an ego. Rather, it was brought forth. Okay? And therefore, it remains close to divinity. That's the first definition I gave you next to. Okay? So very different from all the other worlds. This world is actually still called divinity because it wasn't created something from nothing. It was brought forth from divinity. And therefore, it is close to, next to divinity. Just that you understand, uh, taking it from a different angle for a moment, in the world of Kabbalah, we refer to this world as Kinyan. Kinyan means an acquisition, which means that nothing changed other than it was brought forth before it lied within the domain of the owner, i.e. God. And now it's a world, which means it was brought forth. It was an acquisition where without any changes, it was brought forth from a to B. Okay, I thought maybe that would help you understand what the emphasis here is. It's not something new, it is just something that lied within and now is brought forth. And therefore, even though we call it a world, it is absolute transparency, absolute divinity, absolute purity and goodness, and therefore he and his light is one, he and the vessels is one. It's all oneness. On the level of the ten emanations, the Sfirot, this world represents the world of wisdom. Okay? Now, let's go to world number two. Bria. The literal definition of the word Bria means creation ex nihilo. Nachmanides, on the second word of the Torah. What is the second word of the Torah? Bereshit bara. Bara, the word of Bria, he explains that in Hebrew, this is the only word which is to be translated as creation ex nihilo, something from nothing. Let's explain this. The gap between Atzilut and Bria is the greatest gap between worlds. For Atzilut is not a creation. It is not separated from the creator by the identity of ex nihilo, something from nothing while Bria is. Thus, it is in the world of Bria that creation is started. Atzilut, you cannot use the word creation because it was brought forth. You can use the, use the word kinyan, kone, acquisition. However, to use the word creation, something from nothing, 
that only refers to the world of Bria. Thus you understand why within the four worlds the biggest gap exists between the top world Atzilut and the second world Bria. This world, while primarily good, however the mere concept of having a separated identity of a something creation from separated from the identity of nothing quote-unquote creator just a footnote the reason why we refer to God as nothing is because he defies the definition of what we call a something okay so we're saying something out of nothing because the world is identified creation has a beginning and an end a form a definition properties therefore we can label it as something while God we define as nothing because he defines every he defies everything that we would call as something so the fact that the world of Bria is already has a separate identity where it is a something slash creation separated from the identity of nothing slash creator is the birth of ego which is the birth of evil in the world of Kabbalah ego is the birth of evil thus even though it's primarily good nevertheless it is majority good and minority evil the mere fact that it's already a something we need to say that it has at least a minority of evil in this world of Bria while there is the identity of something slash creation nevertheless the identity is the simplicity of a mass without any specific detailed form so I'm going to quote myself now it simply is simply is I want you to use that as a quote why meaning that on the one hand it is parentheses ego slash something while on the other hand it is simple it's just a mass without form now why am I emphasizing this because while I'm saying that there is a minority of evil because there was a birth of an ego understand that the ego identity separation from the Creator is only that it is the simplicity of mass so when we talk about creating something out of nothing we're talking about creating the simplicity of mass nevertheless mass is the material of which all detailed creations will be formed so on one hand it already is the creation of ex nihilo on the other hand it is simplicity on the level of the ten emanations this is the world of understanding I'm gonna just emphasize a little bit okay while I didn't put it in my notes I think it's important to emphasize for a second wisdom understanding what are we saying here the intellect of wisdom in Hebrew is called Chachma which is the open-mindedness and willingness of being able to say Koach Ma the potential of saying what creativity creativity demands humility you need to open up to a creativeness 
greater than yourself. It isn't that you're finding a solution by understanding their properties. Rather, you're opening up to a creativity. In general, creativity is not the world of creations. It's the world of creator. So when the creations can have the humility, the intellectual humility of just trying to open up so that little crack of dawn, that little crack of lightning shines into us, we then experience creativity. While understanding is a total different intellectual pursuit. Understanding you're not sitting back trying to open up. Rather, you're rolling up your sleeves, engaging in understanding the factors and to extrapolate from the factors. Nevertheless, it's intellect. Intellect in the world of Kabbalah is far more simple and less egocentric than emotions. Just see it by a child. The child's emotions are absolutely passionately ego. I want what I want and I want it now because of the absence of the dominance of intellect. Intellect generally brings a form of humility. So while understanding is already a something, it's a something of mass. Simply is. Is, but simple. Because it's an intellect, but it's already the intellect of understanding. Okay? So it still follows what we're saying about this world. Let's go on to the third world. The third world is called Yitzirah. The literal definition of the word Yitzirah is formation. Now, while the gap between Bria and Yitzira is not as big as the gap between Atzilut and Bria, remember I told you between Atzilut and Bria is the biggest gap because the creation begins in Bria. Nevertheless, it is a huge gap as that between the intellect of the mind and the emotion of the heart. That's a huge gap. While Bria is a simple mass open to transcending beyond any finite specific form, Yetzira has a specifically defined form and is close to any infinite form. So now you have not only is it the ego of I am, mass, it now gets far more arrogant in the ego of I am specifically this and only this. That's what happens when you give mass a form. Not only is it now a mass which is yet open to all forms and shapes, which allows it to experience some type of infinite transcendence. In Yetzira, we're already talking about it taking on and manifesting itself in a very specific finite form. In this world, the separation of identity and ego from creator has grown exponentially, and thus in this world, the balance between good and evil has evolved into 50-50. On the level of the 10 emotions, this is 
I'm sorry, on the level of the ten emanations, this is the world of emotions. The ego of emotions is exponentially greater than the ego of intellect. The power of intellect is to be open, to be able to actually have two opposite thoughts. Because in the search of intellect, we want to be open to say, and that's the way intellectual pe people go. Maybe you can say this, but on the other hand, you can say that, right? That's the way the Gemara, the Talmudic learning goes. Because intellectually, while there's already the I want to understand, however, intellectually, if you want to be open-minded, you cannot be stuck to a specific form. I understand it this way and only this way. You have to be open-minded to that Talmudic process. But on the one hand, you say this. On the other hand, you can say that. Exact opposites, going back and forth in search. Emotions, you don't have that. Emotions, you don't have, well, I feel this, but on the other hand, I feel that. In true emotions, the ego is far greater. By the way, that is why speak to any salesperson and they will tell you a sale takes place only when emotions are triggered. Okay? There's a reason why every salesperson tells you, but I don't know if this will be available tomorrow. You have to act now, act fast. They're trying to trigger a fear. They're trying to trigger an emotion. Okay? So the world of Yitzirah, formation, already has the ego of form. Now let's go to the fourth world. The, the fourth world in the evolution of the four worlds of creation is Asiyah. The literal definition of the word Asiyah is action. What does that mean? Even in the defined form of the world of Yitzirah, it remains as an emotion experienced within the individual. The world of Asiyah is defined by it being as an action which is outside the individual. My feelings remain in me. The action is how I step out of me. Okay? Thus, this world is the spiritual manifestation of total separation and ego. Okay? Let's sum it up. This world has the balance of majority evil and minority good. Remember that Kabbalistically speaking, the definition of, ego, of, of good is humility and transparency. The definition of, ev of evil is ego. Thus you find that in the world of Atzilut, the divinity world, where you have total oneness and total transparency, it is only pure goodness. In the world of Bria, where you do have the ego and separation of identity, simply is. It is a creation ex nihilo, the simplicity of mass, but mass is the material of all creation. Thus it already has ego, thus it already has evil, however it's majority good, minority evil. The world of Yitzirah, which already not only has the ego of AIM, 
but it has a definition, a very specific form and shape of I am, what I am and what I am not, over there, the ratio of good and evil, because of the thickening, the exponential thickening of the ego, now becomes 50-50. However, all of this remains within. In which world do we go from the within to the without? The world of Asiyah, which is the world of action. That's what action is all about. Stepping out from thyself. Thus over here, we have the ratio of majority evil and minority good. Okay? This world is still spiritual. However, it is from this world that Asiyah Hagashmi, the physical Asiyah, our physical world where we are right now, comes to be. So normally when we talk about the four worlds, we're talking about it as spiritual, yet know that Asiyah is also the world. The lower level of that world is called Asiyah Hagashmi, the physical world of Asiyah. On the level of the ten emanations, this is the world of kingship. And when we talk about absolute separation, we talk about kingship. Okay? King. There is a law in the teachings of Kabbalah. A king cannot be a king over his own children because there is no separation. Therefore, there is a teaching, Ein Melech Beloam. There is no king without a nation. King defines itself by being separated from subjects. A father who has 12 sons is not a king over his sons. They're two different things. Remember our Rosh Hashanah prayers. Avinu Malkeinu, our father, our king. They're not one and the same. King is defined by definition of separation. Thus, the world of Asiyah, the absolute world of separation, action, where the separation is so far that we go from within to without action, that is in the world of the emanations, the ten emanations, it's called kingship. So, that's introduction number one. And we need to understand that the descent of the soul into a physical body and so too the descent of the infinite light of sustenance into the physical world is through these four worlds, as we will soon explain. Okay? So you're getting an inkling of why I'm giving you this introduction of the four worlds. Because we're going to talk about the soul's descent, which then leads us to the commandment of Abraham and to every single Jew, go to yourself. However, one more introduction is necessary in order to understand God's commandment to Abraham that he should travel to the land of Israel. Okay? This introduction, I want to first quote a verse in Deuteronomy. What does it say concerning the land of Israel? I quote, A land the Lord your God looks after. The eyes of Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. What does that mean? I mean, isn't God's ever watchful eye on every land 
on every existence? What does it mean when it says only concerning Israel, a land that God looks after, the eyes of Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. What? In America, God's eyes are not always upon the land? God's not always watching us? So what does this mean on a Kabbalistic level? The answer is that according to the teachings, all the other lands were divided amongst the 70 nations. Now according to Kabbalah, all these lands, i.e. the 70 nations, they're all sustained through the spiritual 70 ministers, ministering angels. We call them the Ayin Sarim, the 70 ministering angels. Okay? However, the land of Israel here below is situated directly beneath the spiritual land of Israel above. That's why we always face, right, in our prayers. We face to Israel. In Israel, we face to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, we face to Temple Mount because we are taught that physically they are aligned directly under where the spiritual is. Okay, what exactly that means? Spiritual doesn't have locations. What does that mean? But you do remember the dream of Jacob, right? The dream of Jacob was that there was a ladder going up to heaven. Angels were going up and down. And Jacob stood up and said what? Behold, this is holy land. Were I to know, I would not have slept here. What does that mean? What he actually saw was that this was the exact spot which is aligned to the gateway into heaven, which is the Israel slash Jerusalem slash Temple Mount above. So because it's aligned up that way, therefore the holy land of Israel is not sustained through any of the lower 70 ministers, ministering angels. Rather, they are directly under the eyes of the Lord, directly from the spiritual land of Israel, of the world of Atzilut. Okay? When we talk about the eyes of God, when we're talking about that the land of Israel receives directly from the eyes of God, we are talking about from that world of divinity, of absolute goodness. We're talking about the experience of sustenance from Atzilut. The 70 ministering angels, as we'll soon see, do not get to Atzilut. So let's talk about this. So when a Jew is living outside the land of Israel, what happens? And outside the land of Israel, because he's living in an outside land, he's living in the land of one of the 70 nations, which is under the dominance, quote-unquote, of one of the 70 ministering angels. Thus, the sustenance from God has to go through that ministering angel for the Jew. Thus, you will understand, not in my notes, but I want to share this with you. There's a very interesting teaching that says that a Jew who lives outside of Israel on a, an abstract level is an idol worshiper. Kabbalah wants to know what's that teaching supposed to mean. It's very simple. 
If you have any form of intermediate, not that the intermediate has any power of free will, but when you're not receiving face-to-face -face from God, then you're dealing with an abstract, very spiritual form of idol worship. Because instead of coming directly from God to you, it's going from God into a, into a ministering angel to you. Okay? So now that we understand how this works, the land of Israel is the geographical area physically which is directly aligned with the spiritual Israel. And thus that is the only land upon this physical globe which is not received through a ministering angel from the 70 ministers but directly from God while all the other lands receive it through a ministering angel. Okay? With these two introductions, we can now return to our Torah portions, eternal commandment of God to each and every one of us, when God said, Lech Lecha, go. So, if you notice, I said two words and gave only one translation. Lech Lecha, and I said go. That's not what Lech Lecha means. Lech means go. What does Lecha mean? Interesting. The commentaries are bothered by this word. Lech lecha, literally, lecha means to you. Okay? When you want to say, I, I, I'll give you, aniyaten lecha, I will give you. Lecha, to you. Right? Suffix lamid, a prefix lamid is to, suffix chaf is you, lecha, to you. Which leads us into a problem. What exactly does it mean? Lech lecha, go to you. God was telling Abraham, I want you to travel to the land, right? And he gives him a whole list. I want you to leave your land. I want you to leave your birthplace. I want you to leave the house of your father. And I want you to travel to the land which I will show you. Okay. So he should just say, go from the land. Not go to you from the land. So the classic commentator Rashi, Rab Shlomo Yitzchaki from France. He lived from 1039 to 1104. He defines the word lecha not to mean to you, but for you. For you means for your sake. And he goes on to explain that if you look in the verses, God is giving Abraham three promises if he will go. Through going, you will have A, children, B, wealth, C, fame. And therefore I'm saying, lech lecha, go for your sake. It's for your sake, this journey. You presently don't have kids. You presently don't have fame. You presently don't have wealth. Go, and I will give you these three things. Okay. One interpretation of the word lecha. However, very great Kabbalist, the Alshech HaKadosh. HaKadosh means holy. It's one of the few people that... Whoever talks about him, we always refer to him as HaKadosh, the Alshich HaKadosh. Okay, his name is Rabbi Moshe Alshlich, Ash Alshich. He lived in Svat, Safed, from 1508 to 1593. He, d he doesn't go with Rashi's thought. I'm not saying that he disagrees with Rashi, he's just saying a deeper level. And he says, no, the word Lecha means to you. And what was God commanding Abraham? To go to himself into the 
essence of his being. Lech lecha, Avraham, go to you, go deeper into you. Find the inner essence of your being. Okay. Now let's understand what this means. What does it mean, go to yourself? I know it sounds poetic, it sounds philosophical, it's all beautiful. But what does it mean? Okay? The essence of every single soul, please pull back into your mind now the two introductions I gave to you. We had the four worlds, and we had the difference between the land of Israel's direct connection and all the other lands having to go through the ministering angels. Right? Keep this in mind now. The essence of every soul, which is called the Pintelid. When I was in Venezuela, they taught me that in Spanish, they call it Chispa de Judio, the spark. Pintelid is the famous Yiddish saying. Pintela means that dot, that uncontaminable, unperversible dot of a Jew. No matter what, when, where, it will always remain pure. Our sages say of this Pintelayid that even while the person is sinning, that dot within him remains true and faithful to God. So, this Pintelayid is from the world of Atzilut. While with most souls, most souls, the outer layers of the soul is not from Atzilut. When we talk about a person who is called the soul of Atzilut, we're talking about Moses. Moses is called a neshama de atzilut, a soul of atzilut. Most of us not. Most of us are going lower down the line. Bria, yitzira, asiya. But no matter where the outer layers of your soul comes from, the chispa de judio, the pintele yid, which Tanya quotes as what? Chelek elokamimal mamash, truly a piece of God. How can we call this truly a piece of God? It's because the pintelayid, the essence core, the nucleosis of the soul, comes from the world of Atzilut. That's where the pintel of every single yid comes from. Okay? Now, let's understand. When the soul descends from the world of Atzilut, goes through the world of Bria, Yitzira, Asiya, down into the physical body in the physical asiya, you should know that not all of the soul, not the entire soul, descends into the body. As a matter of fact, neither the levels of Bria or Atsilut can descend into the 70 ministers' domain. Okay? It is only an expression of the world of Yetzirah and Asiyah, the lower two dimensions, the emotions and the action, the kingship. By the way, just I'm throwing at you some more Kabbalah just that you can connect with me. God's letters, God's name has four letters, Yud and the He and the Vav and the He. As you know, the Yud He stands for a name on its own because the Yud He is the wisdom and the understanding. What connects to us is the vav hey. Right? What do we say? Hanistarot, nistarot la Hashem. The yud hey is the hidden esoteric stuff of God. It is only the vav hey which is revealed to us. Now you're understanding why. The yud hey, 
which is the Atzilut level of our soul, the Bria level of our soul, cannot descend within to the world of Asiyah where we have majority evil because it's majority under the 70 ministering angels. It is only an expression of the Vav and the He, the world of formation, Yetzira, and the world of action, Asiyah, which can come down into this world. Now, I'm going to share with you three reasons for this. Number one is a rule. Holiness does not move from its place, even if it's being transferred somewhere. By the way, simply speaking, you and I both know that when we travel to Jerusalem and we go to Temple Mount, there is a huge sign there that says in every language you can think of that the Jews are not allowed to walk past here. And the reason that sign is there is not for security reasons, quote-unquote. Rather, it's because of Jewish law. A Jew today, because we don't have the red heifer and we will buy a funeral and therefore we are spiritually considered impure, we are not allowed to go onto Temple Mount even though the temple was destroyed 2,000 years ago. Why? Because of the rule I just told you. Holiness never completely leaves. So the Holy Temple Mount even though it's been without a functioning holy temple for over 2,000 years, nevertheless, it is and remains holy. Now, when it comes to the descent of the soul, things switch. Normally, when we say that holiness moves in the process of the evolution or whatever it is that God is causing, we say that it doesn't completely leave meaning that there's some remnants, there's some still expression of the previous holiness which remains. When it comes to the soul, it's the exact reverse. It's not that some remnants of the expression remains. Rather, we say quite the opposite. The root and source of the soul remains in the domain of Atzilut, in the oneness with God, and it is only the lower expressions that descend into this world. So the reason why we say that Atzilut and Bria, according to reason number one, why it doesn't descend into the world, is simply because holiness can never completely leave. And in this evolution, it's not that the remnants remains, but the absolute root and source of the soul remains in the holy world. Reason number one. Reason number two, remember I told you the different emanations that each world stands for? The world of Atilut is wisdom. The world of Bria is understanding. Then you have the lower two worlds, Yitzira and Asiyah, which is emotions and which is kingship. Now, if you look at creation, how was creation made? It was made in a seven-day week, not a ten-day week. But why? If the emanations equal 10, why didn't God create the world in a 10-day week? And the answer is because the intellects transcend beyond creation. Remember I told you before that intellects carry a simplicity, a simplicity and a transparency which is open to the infinite? Thus, therefore, creation begins with the lower two levels. The seven days of the week is the seven emotions. The six male emotion 
emotions and the feminine mystique of the emotion of kingship. And literally, if you look at the days of the week, they manifest it. The first emotion is kindness, revelation. God created light. The second one is strength and justice. God separated the waters and the heaven from the earth. Right? The sixth day is foundation. Man was created. The seventh day is kingship. The feminine mystique. It's Shabbat. Therefore, the worlds of Atzilut and Briah, the divinity, the levels of the soul which come from Atzilut and Briah cannot descend into this world which is of the 70, min 70 ministers which is primarily majority evil. Okay? And that also leads me to reason number three. Atzilut has no ego which is a source of evil within it whatsoever. Even Bria, which has already the simplicity of is, I am, but nevertheless because it's simplicity, it only maintains a minority potential of evil. Therefore, those two cannot descend into this world, which is majority evil. Only the lower two worlds, which is 50-50 and majority evil, can sustain and exist within the world of the 70 ministers. Now, I want this to make more sense to you. Have you ever asked yourself why Adam was kicked out of the pool? He did a sin, that's it. Kick him out of the Garden of Eden. Have you ever asked yourself why the Jewish people were kicked out of Israel when we sinned? God could have brought upon us affliction in the land of Israel. If you look at the word where Moses warns us that if we sinned, we're going to be kicked out of Israel, he uses a very interesting word. He uses the Hebrew word for regurgitation. It will regurgitate you. The reason why Adam was kicked out of the Garden of Eden, because the Garden of Eden was the manifestation of the world of Atzilut, which is absolute purity. When you take a fine princess of royalty that grew up in the finest kitchen foods, the royal kitchen, now take her out to Burger King and order for her a nice double mac. What do you think is going to happen within 30 minutes after she leaves Burger King? Her stomach, being brought up on the finest and refinest and most gentle and sensitive, is going to regurgitate the food. Not as a punishment, just as a simple cause and reaction. Noah was kicked out of the Garden of Eden not as a punishment. It's because the Garden of Eden could not tolerate sin, and thus it regurgitated it. And so too does Moses say about the land of Israel. Why? What did I just tell you a moment ago? What is the Kabbalistic interpretation which means that the land of Israel and only the land of Israel has consistently the eyes of God upon it? Meaning that it receives directly from the divinity and the transparency and the oneness of Atzilut. Thus we understand when the Jews sinned, it wasn't a punishment. It was a cause and effect, regurgitation. Israel could not tolerate it. Now let's go back to what we're saying. When God tells Abraham, go, and what does the Alshech's commentary say? 
Go to yourself. What do we mean when we say go to yourself? We mean the pintalayid. We're telling Abraham that everything you're experiencing and all your goodness and kindness is what? It's only the outer layers of your soul. However, God tells Abraham, the time has come. Lech lecha. Go deeper. What you're experiencing is not even close to what you truly have within you. If you want to know who you truly are, you must be able to go deep within yourself to experience the pintalayid. To experience to what the Alter Rebbe quotes as truly a piece of God. What we're talking about in our class tonight as the world of Atzilut within the Jewish soul. However, now you understand that the world of Atzilut cannot exist as is. Not even the world of Briah can exist as is within the outer lands which are subjected to go through the ministering angels. Thus, what did God tell Moses, uh, Abraham? Leave the lands of the ministering angels and go to the land of Canaan, which is the land of Israel. One more thing is going to make sense, and then we'll be able to close it up. The verse doesn't say, go to the land that I will tell you. God's talking to him. Rather, it says, go to the land that I will show you. Now we understand what that means. What God is hinting to him is that if you go to the land of Israel, if you leave the land of the ministering angels and the submission to that possibility of evil, not even evil, but to have majority evil, if you're willing to leave all of that and go to the land of Israel, it will be the land in which I will show you the essence of your soul. The land which I will show you. Okay? A very interesting, I would say, unpackaging, unwrapping of what really lies in this verse. Now, let's close it up. Spiritually speaking, this teaching carries within it its physical lesson as the land of Israel was, is, and always will be under the eyes of God directly and not through the ownership of the 70 ministers. Parenthetically speaking, I want you to know that there was an ancient custom that goes on till this very day. I actually know of stories where the Rebbe Blessed Memory told people to do this. When a couple could not have kids, there was this custom to travel to the land of Israel. I actually know where the Rebbe directed someone in such a situation to move to Israel and there he and she will be able to have kids. So you understand what's going on here now. However, even though it's a physical lesson, additionally to this, there's also the spiritual dimension in which a person is commanded to leave go of the ego Remember, go out of the land. Go out of your birthplace. Go out of your father's home. Do you know what that means Kabbalistically on the spiritual level? It means go out of the I want. Go out of the I think. I understand. 
and go out of the I feel. When we're able to leave those ego, ego places and open ourselves up to the soul's will, the soul's perception, and the soul's feeling, this is the spiritual journey of leaving the personal inner ego of the 70 ministers and going to the selfless will, perception, and feelings that I, God, will show you. Thank you.